I can tell you how this all ends. You die. I, I know that's what happens, right? And so yeah. if I can recognize that the process is I'm born with virtually no conscious awareness and I die and I transition, then the game's what's over. What's in the middle? Like, I, yeah, I just, like, what's yeah, in the middle? <laughs> exactly. The yeah. point is the process that's unfolding in wow. front of you. And so yeah. it's not about the next thing that you're going to do. It's more beneficial to orient. If you don't understand what you're fundamentally orienting to, yep. then the goals may or may not matter. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. You're the woman. I'm going to put you right on the spot. What are some of your favorite Paleo Valley products? I know mine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Right now I'm obsessed with our essential vitamin C. I think far too yes. few people know how important vitamin C is to their health and how much having a little bit more is actually very, very beneficial. We got amla berry, unripe acerola cherry, and camu camu berry because they're three of the world's most potent organic natural sources of vitamin C that you don't just find anywhere. And then we put them in capsules. And also there's 450 milligrams per serving because I, I do really think in our state of health where most of us aren't necessarily healthy, where we have environmental pollution, we're overstressed, we need more vitamin C. Vitamin C is very supportive. You can go ahead and find it on my website under the recommended products. Just scroll down and find Paleo Valley. You'll see all their wonderful products there, which I use all the time. You can use my coupon code to save 10%, Amy Fournier 10. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, I really hope you're enjoying the episode today. And you know, I'm into holistic health and fitness as I'm sure you are too, because you're here. Everybody these days seems to be into crystals and sacred geometry and uh, essential oils and all this cool stuff that we're learning about mother nature and her beautiful medicinal gifts to us. Well, I bet you have a crystal in your house. I know I've got a whole bunch. So I have my friend Ross Newkirk here because he is the creator of Conscious Technologies, which produces a bunch of beautiful products that we can all have in our homes to help harmonize our environment, get us on higher levels of frequency and vibration so we can heal, create, feel good, de-stress, all that good stuff. And one of the things that he offers are things called the Vogel Cut Crystals. These are very unique crystals. They're not your average day crystal, folks. Not the ones you're going to find at TJ Maxx or even Whole Foods. These are the Mercedes-Benz of crystals. And Ross is here to explain to us how his wife, who's also a healing practitioner, uses these crystals in her practice to help her patients heal and harmonize. Ross. These um, crystals are called Vogel cut crystals. And Marcel Vogel was the one that um, came up with this design crystal. He spent years uh, researching and studying crystals and found that crystals in their natural state and environment all have their own fre unique frequencies to them. But if you're able to cut a crystal a specific way, which is what our uh, Vogel cut crystals are uh, cut like, you can actually take and uh, cohere uh, and focus and amplify energy through these um, crystals. So just like a laser can focus a light beam, a crystal can be cut to focus and amplify energy. 
And so my wife at her uh, center, the Awakened Wholeness Center in Rhode Island, she actually does um, uh, work with crystals all the time. And she um, uses the crystals to actually cut energetic cords. She calls it cord cutting um, and energetic cords that um, are basically attached to people, you know, old programs and so forth. And she's able to utilize these tools to uh, amplify um, energy and intention and and remove and cut off these uh, cords that are often holding people back. The specific angles, the growth angle of the actual quartz itself, the intention that's needed while cutting the, uh, the crystal all go into uh, creating these amazing, finely tuned instruments. And Ross, how can people get their uh, Vogel cut crystals? Not to be mistaken for maybe a Google search that you might do because there's a lot of knockoffs out there, crystals claiming that they're Vogel cut because, you know, people in this industry, unfortunately, don't all have integrity and they're just going to slap that name. It's like the organic label and it's really not organic or something of that nature. So they might claim Vogel crystal, but you have to make sure you get a verified, certified Vogel cut master crystal creator guy, <laughs> whatever the term is. Like these are the real deal guys and you'll know because they work as opposed to the ones that don't work. But Ross, how can they get theirs and even at a discount? Yeah, actually um, we uh, have them up on your website. You have them on your website, amyfournier.com. And uh, if they enter Fit Amy TV 10, they can get 10% off their Vogel Cut Crystal. You get to choose between uh, which Sherpa line bag that you would like uh, with your crystal. They all come with a handmade bag that we make as well. And they're beautiful tools. So uh, thank you. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. My friends, I have to admit, this might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. It's definitely in the top five, without a doubt. After over almost 200 episodes now, I can't even believe that. Today, my guest is Jason Prahl. Now, I contacted Jason initially because he is an expert on longevity, the whole anti-aging thing. He actually produced a nine-part film series, a docu-series that uncovers the true nature of chronic disease in our modern world. And he called that the Human Longevity Project. So I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got to talk to this guy. He's got a very interesting story. He actually was an engineer and he pivoted his life. And like so many people that are on my show, this seems to be a theme, the people that just completely pivoted and took a different course. And now they're just killing it once they got clear on really who they were and what turns them on and life started opening up doors to them. Isn't that inspiring? Well, Jason's another one. But I contacted him initially to come on the show to share with us his findings on the Human Longevity Project. And lo and behold, the conversation went a completely different direction than I thought it would. I literally didn't ask him one of the questions that I wanted to ask him. Why? Well, who would have known, but he's the most deep, broad, dynamic, interesting, very heart-centered, very aware of his feminine nature men that certainly I've had on the show, if not probably have ever met. So, wow, what a just complete, refreshing, beautiful gift it was to have this beautiful unfolding conversation 
with Jason. I'm excited to share with you because it's right in line with the mission of this show and helping all of us tap into our feminine nature more so we can utilize all of who we are. So Jason is a health educator, practitioner, author, and like I said, a filmmaker. And he's got this amazing film, the nine-part series uh, called The Human Longevity Project. It goes into the ancient methods of healing mind, body, and soul from indigenous cultures around the world. And it talks about chronic disease in our modern age and gives us really practical help and ideas and tips and insight and guidance in how to apply these things in our modern world without having to like throw your phone out and live in a cave. <laughs> He's actually recently releasing his best-selling new book entitled Beyond Longevity, which is a proven plan for healing faster, feeling better, and thriving at any age. So let me tell you, sign me up for that book. But like I mentioned, we didn't talk about any of that stuff in this show. So here's the good news. Okay, two things I got to tell you. First of all, he's coming back because when we got toward the end, and we could have just kept going, but eventually, basically, I had to let my dogs out and he probably had to go. So we had to stop talking. But he, I put him right on the spot and he agreed to come back on the show. And I promise we're going to ask him all about his findings on living a thriving, healthy, fun, fulfilling, functional life in our older years. So he's coming back on the show. We've already scheduled it. So be sure to subscribe so you hear his second appearance on the show. But I also want to tell you that about probably about halfway through, a little after halfway through, you're going to hear that. I start kind of closing down the show and thanking him for coming. And I think that this is the end of the show and whoop, nope. Great spirit had other plans. We started going down this tangent and honestly, I don't remember what kicked it off, but I think it was the discussion about the feminine and you know me when I get going on the divine feminine, forget it. Then we just kept going. So when you hear me say probably about 45 minutes into the show, okay, thank you so much. Don't go away because we have a whole nother half of the show when it goes in another direction, which I love so, so much. And I'm excited to share with you his amazing insights. So we talk about intuition and really, really, how do you listen to your own intuition? We hear about people who do, but how do we do it for those of us who struggle? We talk about trust, intergenerational and lineage trauma and karma and the role of these things in our current health. We talk about the moon and the importance of the lunar cycles. And by the way, if you want to learn more about the moon, please check out my solo cast episode 161. We'll put that in the show notes for you. That's a fascinating episode on the moon and its influence on our lives. We also talk about detachment and embodiment and Jason gives great advice on two key things, and they're quite easy, I will add, on how to change your reality. Really great advice. And then we get into why Jason thinks there's no such thing as the toxic masculine, very interesting, and awakening the feminine power in us. I asked Jason, all right, what do you feel is the difference between letting go and surrendering? What's the difference between apathy and giving up and falling into your feminine and just allowing and trusting the process. It's a very important distinction. One that I will be honest, I've struggled with myself. Maybe you have too, if you're new in this area of living out your divine feminine. Then we talk about the difference between 
orienting yourself towards something and setting a goal. I love this. This guy is full of these great ways of thinking of things. Jason shares how he doesn't goal set. Rather, he orients himself towards something. And that keeps things open, keeps him in the flow of life, keeps him receptive and aware of where great spirit is trying to direct him. And we talk about the Condor Eagle Prophecy. I don't know if you've heard about this before, but this is a very well-known ancient Native American prophecy of what was predicted was going to happen to humanity and the world. And people are saying that this is actually what's happening right now. I actually, I'm going to be doing a Fast Friday on this. It actually might even be up on the lineup already depending on when you're listening to this. So just look under Awakening Aphrodite, the Eagle and the Condor Prophecy, uh, and uh, you can just hear more detail about that because it's super fascinating, again, particularly if you're interested in understanding the feminine rise. It's very, very insightful. Um, So you're going to love this. We get into the divine feminine. I love that it's from a man's point of view, a man who is a very masculine man, but also very in touch with his feminine nature. And because he is, and he actually uses that energy, that essence, that ability inside himself, like his intuition, like his trust, like his staying open to things, like his going with the flow, like his knowing when to back off and be patient and allow and when to push forward. He has become very, very successful. Isn't that inspiring? So it's beautiful to know there are men like that out in the world. Don't forget, subscribe because you're gonna definitely wanna hear when Jason comes back and talks about what he found studying centenarians and cultures that are living to ripe, old, fruitful, thriving ages. So that's gonna be coming soon. If you wanna support me, subscribe, share this show with someone that you think might find it interesting and definitely leave a review. That would be amazing. You can find all my favorite products and discount codes for you on my website, under my e-store, amyfornier.com. All that's in the show notes. Let's now join Jason Prawl. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Jason, welcome to the show. You know, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to get into this material with you and what you found in your extensive work, your documentary, uh, studying what healthy people do that have lived a long time. So let's just start with a brief synopsis of your journey. What got you into this work? Yeah, I mean, I, I started off as a mechanical engineer as my profession. And um, uh, even before that, I was in college and, and, and dealing with health issues, um, you know, primarily a skin condition that I was dealing with in my early 20s. And I would say even before that, in my, in my early teens, I had knee issues, chronic knee pain that started uh, at 13 and continued for decades. And so um, it was my own health struggles that um, really got me to start to investigate what was going on because I couldn't find any, any uh, resolution from the, from the medical establishment. Um, and, and in the, the mid-90s and early 2000s, you know, the internet wasn't a resource like it is today. And I didn't have uh, anybody in my, couldn't find anybody that could, that could help me understand what was going on with, with my chronic health issues. And so um, all the things that I got from the doctors weren't working, right? In fact, many of them made things worse. And so in my own sort of quest to uncover what was really happening and, and how I could find an answer, um, again, using the internet as sort of a, the early stages of the internet was enough to show me that there was a, 
there was a, a lot of, of a wrong information out there. Uh, it's hard to say if it's misinformation, disinformation, but there was a lot of crap that I was uncovering that was that was completely counter. It's not like it was just a little bit off. It was completely wrong to what I was being told. And, and that kind of, um, it, it, there was such a dissonance in what I, the information I was getting from the medical community and the information that I was reading about that it, 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 I couldn't marry it up. And as I kept uh, uncovering more and more, I realized that um, there was just a lot of shenanigans, to be honest, uh, when it comes to the research, the medical community, uh, the, the food, uh, big food, big government. And there was just this collusion of, of nonsense. And so um, that woke me up to a deeper reality that... Um, that kind of left me feeling a little bit hopeless, actually. I didn't know where to turn. It was sort of a dark night of the soul. And, um, and in that process, I realized that I had to take ownership of my problems, I, which, which also gave me ownership of the solutions. And, and in that process, and as I unwound some of the, the conditioning and the, the information that I thought was correct, um, I had to kind of just completely throw that away. Um, that allowed me to recognize a deeper truth, a deeper reality, and sort of peel back the onion a little bit. And in so doing, I was able to sort of help other people around me in a sort of casual way, right? People asking me for advice and what should I do and how did you do this? And, and that ultimately led me um, changing careers and, and leaving the mechanical engineering career that I was sort of getting good at finally and starting on a new path of, of sort of integrative health, integrative functional medicine type of, of work that I, I honestly knew nothing about from a business perspective, right? So I had to completely start from scratch and, and running my own business and then how to acquire clients and what, how, to, how to do online marketing. Like none of this was taught to me in high school and the in the, in the mid to late nineties. And none of it was taught to me in engineering school. So this was completely new territory, right? What a funnel is and how to, how to acquire clients and how to, how to coach somebody through an entire process, right? And, and how to meet somebody, uh, a new person every time that showed up with autoimmune conditions and cancers and chronic pains and skin conditions and uh, hormonal imbalances and the list goes on and on. And to look at that person individually, uniquely, and to meet them where they're at. Um, and so that was kind of my journey in this process of, of and it's really where I, I learned so much more about what health is and what's blocking health um, is, is working with people day in and day out with a variety of conditions um, and sort of educating them on what it means to be healthy, what it, what it is, what health, what health is, where it comes from. Um, and so uh, that, was, that was the sort of the, the predicate for me uh, creating the documentary film series, The Human Longevity Project, and writing my book and, and some of the other work that I've done since then. Well, I think what's interesting about your story too that you didn't mention is you, you actually went broke and you were in debt. So before we go on to the work, I mean, good Lord, what's your little pearl of wisdom that how you pulled yourself out of that, not to mention your own health issue. That was a big one. Um, yeah. you know, I, I had some money um, after you know I, I left Seattle. I sold my house. Well, first, I, I kind of I realized that I was in this. I was caught. I was I was caught in this false reality that I had created for myself that was based on conditioning, right? Which is go to school, go to a good college. You know, I played baseball in college and football in college, so I was doing that as well. I was kind of chasing the dream in in, in baseball. Um, but ultimately, my body wasn't able to keep up due to a variety of things that were sort of self-inflicted, you could say. Um, and then ultimately uh, got a, a good job. You know, I was respected as an engineer. I was good at math. I was good at science. So I kind of, it all made sense to me and uh, bought a house, had a couple dogs, um, you know, and 
And then at some point I woke up and I said, this isn't at all what I want. Um, I feel very constrained, right? Constrained by a mortgage, constrained by my, my job, constrained by the sort of nine to five. And, you know, you could really say 70 hour weeks that, that is really required in that industry. And then, and then I got to this point of becoming, potentially becoming a, a partner in my engineering firm, right? Like that, that was kind of where I was at in my career. 10 years in, uh, I had enough experience. I knew the community. Uh, I, I was good enough. I was young enough. It's like this optimal point of my profession where you're still, you got a lot of good years ahead and you know the industry enough. And I, I said, if I go into this and become a partner, then I'm sort of solidifying my fate, so to speak. It really felt like golden handcuffs. Um, and I, I, I reached this point of like, this isn't at all what I want. And uh, I didn't quite know what I wanted yet. But when I realized that the, the solution to my problem was to create more degrees of freedom, in other words, give myself more room to figure things out, to really explore the world, explore myself, then the solution became um, to quit my job. But I couldn't quit my job yet because I didn't have money. I was tied to a mortgage. And so I had a little bit of equity in my house, but I ultimately I had to, I had to remodel my house, which was, I had to get creative with that because I didn't have a ton of capital to do that. Um, but I remodeled my house kind of mostly on my own, was able to sell it. Once I sold it, had enough capital, I could quit my job and start this sort of new life. And so that was really what I did. So I had some, some uh, a little bit of runway when I started my new career, but again, I didn't know how to really do this. So I hired some people, some coaches and, and all this, but ultimately made the wrong choices, I would say, in that, in that process, spent a lot of money, went broke, um, you know, burned through a couple hundred thousand dollars very quickly um, on what, what I thought was good investment in my education, in coaching and, and helping me to get to the point where I wanted to get to quickly. But ultimately, uh, it was sort of following the wrong shortcuts, I would say. And ultimately what, what got me out of that was following, uh, my intuition. And I met some people, uh, kind of ayahuasca finally found me, um, which was interesting because I, I had learned about ayahuasca like 12, 15 years ago. And I thought that sounds really interesting, but I can't go to Peru or go to the jungle to do this. And, and ultimately it showed up at my doorstep, which, which was a key for me, for me, not for everybody, but for me to unlock a different reality. It, it, it popped me out of my conditioning. And I was so conditioned by science, by logic, by this material world. I was not raised in a sort of religious or spiritual kind of community or, 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 or with that type of, of philosophy or thinking. And so I was very materialistic in my reality. And that popped me out. And I realized, oh, okay, there's something else at play here. That was the first um, experience I had that was different than sort of what, what this material world could show me. And ultimately, that allowed me to relax. It allowed my system, my entire system, my entire being to relax with the realization that I'm being held, that I'm being guided, that I'm being supported, right? All the sort of same stuff you hear from the spiritual new age gurus, I finally felt, I finally recognized was a truth. I could hear it before, um, but I, I could never recognize it as a truth in my being, right? And so that was a, that was a very critical thing wow. for me. And, and I, I had, it allowed me to have more trust in, in what I was doing. And so that, that was kind of the impetus really to, to, for me to follow a different path, despite being in massive debt, I, I, I switched from the sort of client care model into a more education model, mass education model, because that's really what I was doing with my clients anyway, was I wasn't, I wasn't treating their disease for most of them. I had to teach them what it is to be healthy, why, where health comes from again, which is sort of innate uh, it's we're born with the, the capacity for health, right? And 
I would say everybody has a different capacity at birth, let's say, but the, but the, but the seed is there within us all to be optimally healthy. And so, um, it's the question is how do we get there? How do we align with that? What are the habits and the practices and the ways of being and thinking and believing um, and emoting to get us to that point that health can manifest? And how do we remove the things that are blocking us? So I was teaching that um, consistently. Again, no matter what disease or condition um, or person showed up at my door, there was so much of that education that was going on while I was running lab work and doing some of these other things. Um, and so I, I switched to that model. Um, on blind trust, really, um, because I finally had a new sense, a felt sense of trust in my body, in my system that allowed me to do that. And when that happened, it's like a new kingdom opened up for me. It's like all these new doorways and pathways and people and opportunities and, and, and sources of revenue and income and ideas started to just come. And so that's really what the Human Longevity Project, and we created that nine-part docu-series, which was uh, quite a mission, to be honest. Um, we went around the world to you know, a dozen countries or more. Um, it, it cost you know, a decent amount of money to produce. You know, I'd never made a, a film, let alone a docu-series before, nine episodes of 13 hours of content interviewing over 100 people for this thing. I'd never done that, right? And yet there was something within me that, was, that trusted this process um, that, that I could do this and not only do it well, and, 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 and do it well in a way that, that would be profitable to allow me to continue doing what I love to do, right? And, and making money uh, in the film industry is not the easiest thing, um, you know, generally speaking. And so um, it was, again, it was really just this sense of trust that, that allowed me to start following what my intuition was telling me instead of creating logical mental barriers from following that, that, that sort of process. So let's break down the intuition thing, because this is critical with my show, Awakening Aphrodite, because that's the feminine essence in you following your intuition. What exactly did that look like, Jason? Was it like, oh, that interests me, so I followed those breadcrumbs, to, read that book, which led me to take a course? Was it, like, how, what, did it, what does it actually mean when you're saying you followed your intuition, just for the rest of us to learn? Yeah. So, so it looks like for me, it looked like a lot of different things. Uh, I would say, first of all, uh, again, the, the, one of the keys for me was, was, was popping me out. Right. And I, and what I mean by that is popping me into another reality to see that the, the thing beyond this sort of material world. Right. So in other words, I needed to know that existed. And then, and, and the, when I say knowing, I mean, experientially knowing, right. Firsthand knowledge and experience. And so once yeah. that was there, that was sort of the, that was the, the groundwork that was really laid. And so following my intuition was really um, starting to pay attention to where I was being led. In other words, not necessarily choosing the easy path, but recognizing where resistance was. So as I was seeing resistance pop up, and, and it's not like you totally avoid resistance. It's almost like you're checking to see if that resistance, how sturdy it is. If it was a little barrier and I could push on it a little bit, okay, then maybe there's some, there's some value in, in moving through that resistance because resistance is going to be everywhere. And then, but it's also developing this sort of keen sense of awareness. And this is where the intuition for me really came in mm. is recognizing, is this resistance that is, that is showing me another direction or is this resistance to push through? And, and oftentimes when I... I would consistently choose wrongly, um, but I had the awareness to recognize even after choosing sort of the wrong intuit, like, in other words, I wasn't trusting my intuition, but I didn't realize it until afterwards. Yeah. Um, 
that, that something happened and it would frustrate me or I, I would think that it was the wrong thing. And then only later with awareness that I could track that back and say, oh, that was actually a good thing that we missed that flight. That actually saved us money here and here and here, even though it's completely like destroyed our, our, our plans and, and everything that we had outlined. And it, it, it created a little bit of a hassle, it actually saved us money and made more sense in the long run. So there's all these types of things that even when I wasn't following my intuition, I was able to, to see that I wasn't. And then when I was following my intuition, things just flowed. Things were easy. Things showed up. Um, gifts and opportunities and um, things that came easier than I thought um, just started to appear. And so with that was the evidence that I was following my intuition. So it's almost like I wasn't even able to, to tell in the moment that I was following my intuition. It was almost like retroactively looking back and going, oh yeah, okay, I see how easy that was. I now see all these things and how easy it's been. That's what it feels like to follow my intuition. Ah, got it. And this is what happens when I didn't follow my intuition and it kind of got messy, well, you know, and it still worked out, but it was super messy. Hmm, what did I do there, right? So it was, it was really a, an, an art of me recognizing what it even looks like and feels like to follow my intuition. So it wasn't even a real time thing at the moment, but there was something in me that was naturally, let's say, getting better at it, right? So it wasn't even a conscious process, uh, which again is what intuition is, right? It's a sort of subconscious yeah. thing. And we can become conscious of that process of intuition, but I wasn't even very good at being conscious of it. So like the intuition was just naturally there and I was becoming aware and conscious of that intuitive unfolding. And as I was, I got better at, at sort of, um, let's say, bringing it more into the present, being more conscious with my intuitive process, if that makes any sense. Yes, because what I'm hearing you say is in retrospect, you started to learn how your intuition not only worked, right. but was right. That's right. But I guess I'm going to, I'm going to keep you on this point for a second, just for us to understand what was the intuition? Can you give us an example? Like, was it just something interested you, interest you or, you know what I mean? Like what yeah, exactly yeah. was the intuition for you? So, so for me, the, the intuition was that I could create this film project. Yeah. I know the model that could make it successful, right? So it's not, in other words, it's like I saw all the puzzle pieces. I had okay. a friend who was, uh, who was an amateur filmmaker, but he's a filmmaker mm -hmm. who traveled well. Um, it was a, a project that allowed me to travel, which I love. It allows okay. me to go learn, which I love. It allows me to go learn from other cultures, which I really love, right? And it, so it allowed me to sort of do all the things. It, it checked so many wow. boxes for me yeah. that it was like, it was like, here, here's an idea, right? And I have lots of ideas. Some yeah. aren't very good and some are really right. good. Yeah. But as I explored that idea, it like checked so many boxes. And then it, I recognized that that I have all the pieces essentially to make this work. I can't, I can't map it out fully. I didn't have my full team in place, but I had enough of the of the piece of the puzzle to get it started. Uh -huh. So that was where like the intuition piece was, was I, I, even though I didn't have the full thing mapped out to provide enough safety for me, let me put it this way. In my previous version of myself, I would need the whole thing mapped out yeah. enough to create safety in my body to take the first step, right? Now I didn't need that. I had enough of an intuition that if I just got this going, that I would have the pieces come in later that this would work. Right. And so that was kind of the trust and the intuition. And as that started happening again, it's almost like, it's almost like stepping off the cliff and not itself. exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, so I'm, I'm stepping off blindly um, and trusting that I'm going to find that step with each and every step that I take. And, and, and the, the confirmation was 
that as I kept taking more steps, I kept seeing more steps in front of me. So it's like it kept working, right? And and it kept working. And it's not like it got more challenging and it got, we we ran up against this sort of critical point of like, oh my God, what are we going to do? No, it's like the further we got into it, the more it it opened up. Right. So, so yeah. that's what was so beautiful. So it was, it really just took me taking a little bit of a leap and all of a sudden the whole thing started opening up for me. And so, um, so that's where I think that sort of critical piece uh, came in. It was like following this intuition that if I just get going, that there was something within me that said, it's going to work. Like I, I just, mm-hmm. I just know, I know this is going to work. I have no clue how now, I, now mind you, there's probably a lot of people listening to this is of course, yeah, I do that all the time. And, and, and I do that all the time now too, but before I didn't, I didn't know yeah. how. No, I think a lot of people don't do that. What about Jason for the person who doesn't get to that level of profound trust because of ayahuasca, which I, you know, any, like you, you said, you know, you felt you knew it was going to work. Like, what about for those that don't have that? Like, how do we get that level of trust to be able to take those steps? Yeah, this is a big one, right? And 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 I think the it's first recognizing there's a couple things. One, even ayahuasca for me was an intuitive thing. 15 years oh. ago, I thought, God, that's really interesting because I'm a super curious person. I love yeah. to explore things. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm I have a high risk tolerance, right? So it didn't scare yeah. me. Brave. So, <laughs> even that. Um, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't chase it, right. I actually let it come to me in a sense. Right. And, and so even that was sort of an intuitive thing, but, but the reason that most of us don't have this, this trust piece, um, really cultivated or, 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 or ingrained is from childhood wounds or even karmic wounds and that we come in with this life. And, and there's a developmental process in childhood that really starts to encode safety and it encodes it in a variety of ways. It encodes it in our nervous system fundamentally. And if we don't have that safety encoded in our nervous system, literally in the tissues um, and, and thus in the mind, then we, we, we operate from a, a position that is a lack of safety, a lack of trust, right? So what is the, how do we even get trust? Well, trust is, is gained by, some, by being able to believe that something's going to consistently happen, right? And that generally comes from the caregivers or the parents of a child. If you do something consistent enough, then there's a trust that develops. And sometimes this is a trust that's developed through attunement. In other words, properly attuning to each child. You might have a brother and sister or twins, and the, twins aren't a great, great example, but brother and sister, and, and they have totally different personalities, totally different beings, and they must be attuned to differently. And if they're not attuned to differently, then, then there's a mistrust. If there's, uh, of course, abuse, if there's divorce, if there's all these things that happen, even in, in, in school, right? When we, when we start to develop mistrust of our peers or teachers and caregivers and coaches and what have you that don't really um, show us this, this care that we need on a consistent basis as young infant beings who have an underdeveloped uh, brain, nervous system, uh, internal working model of the world, we're still developing all that, right? So this is where a lot of the mistrust comes from is in those early formative years. And so if that trust is not there, then there's a lot of things that we can do to, to cultivate that trust. In, in it. But again, it's an embodied process, right? Ayahuasca provided that for me the start of it, just enough to be able to, to, to trust. But again, I'm, maybe what I'm pointing to here is there's multiple levels of trust. There's trust in, in other people, other sort of humans and beings. There's trust in God, or let's say the universe or great spirit or whatever we want to term that, the Tao, right? That was what, what popped, ayahuasca popped me into that. 
Br briefly, but enough to go, ah, okay, there's actually something outside of humans. There's out something outside of this earth. There's something, there's another plane of existence that I was able to experience that gave me trust that there's something beyond me, right? And so religions provide a, a great framework for this, right? Um, but that was a, a level of trust that I finally gained. And so that's what I needed really to get me going. But then even since then, I've developed, cultivated more trust um, in myself, trust in other beings around me, right? And, and so there's, there's other kinds of trust that develop, but it's, it's really that, that early formative years that we develop or, or, or fail to develop a great sense of trust in, let's say, God, uh, parental figures and authoritative figures, um, you know, peers and, and what have you. And so we can cultivate that trust through a variety of practices, you know, somatic work, uh, various trauma uh, therapies. Um, you know, there's something called adult attachment repair model, which is a fantastic model um, that um, uh, Peter, I forget his last name, um, has developed, but it's a, it's a, it's an amazing model. It's a very boring model actually, um, but it's, it develops that, that sense of attachment and trust in the system. So, so some of this work really is about repairing these old wounds or these, these sort of missed experiences that we didn't get in childhood. So, so again, there's a variety of ways that we can tackle that. And again, what I love about the indigenous work, because uh, I've, I've beyond just the ayahuasca, I've done work with indigenous uh, cultures is that um, they have a variety of ways to, to, to deal with that in their way, right? And then we have a sort of modern psychological slash kind of um, nervous system work, somatic work that we've developed in the West, right? There's a, a variety of different techniques um, that we can look to in Dzogchen and Zen and, and some of the, the Eastern traditions and in, in, in Ayurveda uh, and the Vedas have, have their own way. So, so there's a lot of ways we can, we can do that. But, but if we don't have that sense of trust, it's, it's because of these early childhood processes or perhaps trauma in later life, as well as karmic. And this karmic piece is big because so many of us, and we can call it karmic, we, there's, there's intergenerational, right? So I've worked with a yeah. lot of people of, of Jewish lineage who, who have dramatic, dramatic stuff going on inside because they have relatives who they've never even met, who experienced some very, very horrendous things, right? And so it's very confusing if that's not your life and yet you're experiencing these sort of residual effects that, that were felt. And so um, this shows up in, in a big way. So, so we can look to that as a model to figure out what do I actually need? And it may be, I need to resolve some of this, this uh, lineage uh, trauma that has nothing really to do with me, but it's really showing up in me. And therefore it's my responsibility to deal with. Love that you brought that up because I was got that in my notes. I was going to bring that up about karmic and DNA uh, trauma. Like we know what you referred to the, the, the research with um, the patients from um, the people rather from Auschwitz and their intergenerational, the cortisol levels are actually passed on through the genes to uh, the, the the subsequent generations of, of a high level of anxiety and trauma from generations prior. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, it's like talk about coming into the world with <laughs> behind the eight ball a little bit here. So are you well, seeing- And, is and it's complicated too, right? It's okay. very complex, right? Because I've even seen studies that show methylation patterns change, right? So now you're having getting into acetylation, deacetylation, methylation, and there's a lot of complex sort of biology going yeah. on, right? And, and, but I think it's, 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 it's also important to recognize that it's, a, it's the brilliance of life 
that is responsible for that. In other words, there's there's also studies that they've yeah. done on on mice, and and when they and they give them cherry blossom scent and they electrocute them, right? So they'll they'll take two two mice, and they will electrocute one, right? And and give them cherry blossom scent and electrocute them. So there's an association with the scent of cherry blossom and getting electrocuted. In other words, trauma, right? And then they they will mate that that mouse with another mouse who's never been electrocuted. They will have pups. So now you have a first generation pups. They will they will give the scent of cherry blossom to the first generation pups, and there will be a spike in their nervous system. They've never been electrocuted, Wait. but the scent. So in other words, this is brilliance. This is brilliance of epigenetics. In other words, this is the parents' way of, of passing down information to child and hey, be careful of cherry blossoms because when you smell this, there's a likelihood that you're that you're in danger. Right. So this is the brilliance of life being passed through. Now we can study the mechanisms, and that's the materialist reality, and that's cool. And let's go beyond that and go, wow, this is intelligence that is being passed down. Yeah. Right. But what's even crazier? To keep is it they, alive. It's, it's that's right. Keep life. That's right. That's right. And so, and so now we have the first generation. Well, they paired that with another mouse uh, who's never been electrocuted. So now we have second generation. Again, only one parent in the second generation. So one grandparent yeah. of, a, of a mouse, same thing. We see uh, advanced nervous system spike. So this has been passed down for multiple generations stemming from one mouse. So now we figure all the wars that we've been through in, in, in this country and many yeah. others, right? All the, the atrocities that are experienced all around the world, right? I mean, we can look at Africa and India and, and China, and there's all kinds of things going Going on all over the world or even the 9 world 11 wars. in america exactly so there's so many the native american population here right i mean we can go on and on and on about all the things that have happened and so this is what's important to recognize is that this is being filtered through to all of us and then beyond that on let's say a more collective reality we have cultural traumas right so no, wherever you were born no matter what your skin color, no matter what your genetics, you're born into a, a region, into a society, into a culture that is also carrying traumas and playing out these dramas within our collective consciousness. So this is being played out still, like Jim Crow, slavery in the United States. These things are still being played out in our in our environments, and we're all experiencing them. Doesn't matter if you're you can be That's of not. Asian descent, right, and not be black or white. And, and not be sort of in the mix of Jim Crow or, or slavery or any of that. And yet you're still going to be playing out these dramas because you are in the in place the where that's still going on, right? So, so this is what's really important to recognize is that we're all experiencing this stuff. So hopefully we can, we can, we can hold the, uh, the awareness that it's more than just what you've experienced directly in your life, your health, your mental yeah. framework, your pains, your, your, all that stuff is, is something that we're carrying uh, on a consistent basis. So it, it can be really tricky to uncover the cause of somebody's um, you know, uh, chronic health condition, let's say, I don't know, any GI distress, right? You might have Crohn's disease and you're trying to figure out what is the cause of this? I'm eating, killing, blah, blah, blah. It can be a million things, right? And so, um, and, and much of what I see um, when it comes to chronic health conditions, I would, I, I can't give you a percentage, but every single thing is somewhat related to, let's say these traumas, because they are the things, these traumas and these conditionings, because they are the things that are dictating our behavior, right? They're dictating our thoughts largely. They're dictating our beliefs and they're dictating how our body deals with emotion and feeling. So if you have anything that's, that's going to be responsible for behavior, thinking, feeling, believing, then that's going to control 
what you're eating, how much you're exercising, how you're interacting with people, the choices that you're making. I mean, it's it's essentially everything, right? So um, this is a big one. It's the conditioning and the traumas that we've experienced. And this is not just in our life. It's conditional. It's intergenerational. It's karmic. It's massive. Okay. This is so enormous that you're talking about this now, Jason. And I love that this conversation is going this way. You are just like a wealth of very deep knowledge. I'm just very impressed. Uh, but I have to say, you know, with what's going on in the world, the Great Awakening, uh, we're recording this in 2023. We are dealing with, you know, the uncovering of a lot of shenanigans behind the scenes in many industries. And what's been happening, not only for me, but I know for a lot of people collectively, is uh, I just have to say, I, I've been I've been in health and wellness for over three decades, okay? I'm a super healthy person, uh, normally. <laughs> However, lately, Jason, I've been just like, what is going on with me? Like, I just haven't felt that well. Like, and I, you know, go back to all the things that I've taught everybody for three decades, you know, start, look at your diet, okay, are you getting into bed, you know, check off all those boxes, right? And I got to tell you, I have been racking my brain like I, what am I doing differently? So some of it might be good old Amy being responsible for the world and taking responsibility for everything that might not be mine. But I've started to realize like, okay, as I've gotten more broad in my, my own education, esoterically, and even with the, with astrology, you know, alignment of planets and so much of what we're experiencing is not a direct result of necessarily what we're doing immediately. And it's kind of, that just turns around everything that not only I've experienced myself, because like you, wounded healer, my own health issues led me down the path to realize, oh, wow, I have more power to control what I've been told I couldn't control. Yay to me. You're like, yay. So this now has turned everything around. Like, okay, you might. But then sometimes, this is like a paradox, right? You, you, you do have a lot more control than you probably led to believe you do. However, sometimes there are things astrologically or karmically that are not within your control. So this is now what I think a lot of us are up against. Like, and I've talked to our mutual friend, Paul Check about this, that, you know, he's saying to me as my friend, like, you know, you're probably dealing with a lot of the collective crap that is going on. Like, it's not necessarily your stuff that you're carrying. And it's for sure, I know that's true. So have you heard of the term, I want you to comment on that, but in rel relevance to that, Jason, have you heard of the term a miasm? Mm. I actually have heard that term, but I I, I can't um, define it. Um, okay, because I know you have. Because you're you're taught what you're but talking only in about. Passing is, of it, I, I, it doesn't yeah. come to mind. Okay, because you definitely have, my friend. Because what you're talking about is what I've been hearing. Another amazing, wise, wise elder, Rudy Vespor, who's a homeopath. Um, he's been on the show. He's actually doing a series with me because he's got so much wisdom. I got connected with him through Paul and Paul did a series with him as well, because this guy is like a walking medicine man of wisdom. And yes, you got to hook up with him. He's amazing. And he talks about what you're talking about and treating the root cause going back karmically, how we all have these archetypal wounds that we can carry, and he calls them miasms, and even our animals have them, our pets have them. Is it related to the term miasma or some? 
Ooh, but it's, I'm not it's sure. So I'm ringing not... a bell. I'm like, it's, I'm yeah. like scratch. I'm like, I'm like totally. Yeah. yeah now you're going to anyway. go look it up, but good. Yeah. Look it up <laughs> because uh, basically you're describing it. It's like this karmic and I'm going to probably totally massacre the definition, but it's basically what you said. It's we're carrying these deep subconscious cultural programmed uh, wounds for lack of a better word, issues that need to be worked out that we're working out. So do you know, Jason, like how do we address and resolve things we're not even conscious of? Yeah. It's a good thing. I do know that. Um, oh my God. Yes. Okay. I can't wait for this answer. <laughs> well, it, it's relatively simple. Right. And so, um, but, but first I want to, I want to back up because I love what you said. Right. And um, it took me so long to even come to this level of of acceptance of that reality, right? Because um, put it this way, let me, let me just state it in very simple terms that I think most people can get on board with, right? So if we've done any sort of research in, let's say, celestial bodies, um, we, we have an understanding of how the moon affects human physiology, right? I mean, if you're a woman, you should know this uh, every 30 days, right? Every 28 days, ideally, you're on a cycle, right? And this is really guided by lunar patterns, right? It's they call it the moon cycle in many cultures, right? Um, it affects us, right? We, we have the term lunacy, right? We, 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 if you ask anybody that's worked in the ER, they will say this, that, that things get weirder on full moons, right? So, so we know that the moon being full has an effect on, on our physiology, right? So now if we just at least extend that to any level of reality, right? What's happening with the solar cycles, right? If you look at the, the, the sun has seasons, it goes in cycles and it gives off C-class flares and X-class flares. In other words, it's giving off radiation, not at this consistent way, yeah. it's yeah. all over the place, right? Yeah. And so when we have these, these bursts of radiation coming from the sun, so how does that affect us, right? And I'm not saying I have the answer to that, but, but we should at least have the ability to recognize that it's going to have a varying effect, right? And, and as planets, move, of course, that's going to have an effect. And we don't, we can look to a modern astrology, maybe it has some answers, maybe it doesn't, we can debate on the accuracy. And of course, there's interpretations and all kinds of stuff like that, right? Then we can look at Vedic astrology, which is a different form of, of astrological readings, right? And Chinese have their own astrology, right? So there's, but there's, there's some reality there um, that I think I don't understand. Um, but, but I've, I've looked at it uh, enough to recognize that it's pretty deep. And, and there's a lot there. And I've worked with Dr. Vasant Lad, who's one of the great living masters of Ayurveda. Um, wow. And he's read my chart. There's a, a it's called Joytish um, in the, in the Ayurvedic world. And, and wow. he, he looked at my chart, my birth chart. And he, he, I remember him saying, okay, so it looks like you're living on top of a hill. And I'm like, yeah, I am right now. Were you? Oh my God. Yeah. Like just these random things, right? Cool. And he said, um, you've got a communication issue. Um, so you're going to need to wear this certain stone on your right pinky finger. Um, it was a jade, I believe. And um, that's the line of communication. And I said, well, actually, I jammed my finger when I was uh, a kid. And it's my, my, my knuckle is like too big. I can't get the ring oh, on that yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I also got caught in a car door at another time. He said, yeah, that's the channel. He said, that's that, that, that energy it's system blocked. has been blocked because of your birth chart. And so he said, so he said, okay. So you anyway, lived your like karma. Well, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Good so, job. 
And, and there's wow. a number of other instances, right? That he was pointing to, and I've looked yeah. at enough and That's I've nice. played with it enough to recognize there's something there, right? And so, and then if you look at, um, we have something called the yugas, right? In other yep. words, how uh, the sun, how our galaxy uh, is moving through the solar system. In other words, what's the great year looking like? And as we navigate the solar system or the, the galaxy uh, and the solar system and the universe and how this kind of moves, that's going to affect things, right? So there's things happening that are, let's, as you say, outside of our control, just on a very physical reality. We are being impacted by the changing of energies all the time. And outside and so, of our awareness. That Exactly. Yeah. So the point to recognize here is um, we have cycles, right? Men have cycles. We have, uh, we have cycles through, through the day, right? We have a circadian cycle. We have women have a, a monthly cycle that's very prominent. Men also have cycles, right? We have all these energetic cycles happening. So we are just cycles upon cycles, upon cycles, upon cycles. Now, if you start to interlace these cycles, you're going to start getting these all kinds of crazy effects, right? And it's very hard to map in our, in our cognitive mind what's happening. And that's why things like Joytish and, and these astrologies started to become uh, sort of popular is because we're trying to understand how these things are, are impacting us, right? And so that's one thing to recognize. But, but even more importantly to recognize is that as that's happening and as we get affected, there's a certain level of acceptance I think is really important when it comes to health issues, when it comes to all of reality. In other words, it's getting in right relation with reality. Reality is going to show you that it's not going to be smooth sailing all the time, right? Recognize that there will be painful times. Recognize that there will be difficult processes, right? And as my, my teacher Puma says, um, who's an indigenous healer from the, the Andes in Peru, he said, look, Jason, none of this is yours. It's for you. All this crap, all this karma, all these, these belief systems, all this stuff, all this stuff that you think you, you, you call yours, it's not yours. It's for you. In other words, everything is for you, for your development, for your awakening, for your progression, right? And so if we can start to recognize that, start to detach from this idea that I can control my health, that I'm going, it's a certain balance that says, yes, I have power. And yes, I have acceptance as well, that there are other things at play, right? Um, and so there's a certain level of acceptance, there's a certain level of autonomy and, and power and, 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 and belief uh, in self that is really, really important, right? So it's not to just give up and throw your hands uh, up in the air and say, oh, well, I don't know. It's just all up to the gods. You know, no, no, I'm here too. And there's other things at play, right? So no matter what's going on, the answer is always the same. The answer is to come back to myself. The answer is to, to become aware. The answer is to observe reality as, as best you can and to continue to integrate more and more of yourself in your body. So it's really just the continuing of the awakening process. This is why uh, the Buddhists, uh, the Dzogchen, the Zen, the Ayurvedic practices, the uh, yoga and, and some other things, the, the, the pranayamas and all kinds of things in the spiritual world and, and even in the religious world, right? Um, that's why all those exist. It's because the world's a shitstorm. And the only solution is for me to come back to my center, to recognize who I am, to recognize what I am, to embody th this reality. 
It's not to blast off and go play out in the stars, right? Even though we have that capacity as, as beings, and it's actually to become embodied, to follow my mission, to know who I am, to know why I'm here, to show up as best I can for the good of, of all beings. That's it, right? And as we follow the, the, the laws and the commandments and all the things that are laid out in a variety of religious texts, in a variety of spiritual texts, right? In a variety of new age programs and on Instagram even, right? As I follow those things, as I do those things, as I become myself, my true self, not this conditioned reality version of who I think I am, but what I really am, who I really am, then I can walk through the world take all these beatings, recognize that's part of the game, and I'm going to be okay, and eventually I'm going to die. And if I can realize those things, accept those things, then I can play the game in a way that's a lot more fun, right? That allows me to show up and be who I am, to, to, to bring forth my gifts in the most uh, uh, charitable way possible, right? And not to try to control reality, not to try to, and I, when I say control reality, you can't control your health. You can take charge and you can show up, but you cannot control it. It's just not how it works, right? All the great ones haven't been able to control their health for their entire life. They've all succumbed to this process of death. Some, I believe, do so intentionally, which is a, a, a mark of a true master who chooses when they, they uh, transition. But um, that's kind of how I view this, is that it's continuing to, to recognize the truth. Now, I don't know the full truth yet. I'm still very much on this, on this journey and this process, but I've recognized enough to realize that's the path. The path to oneself is the answer. That's it. Okay, help getting to the path, walking that path, Jason. Help for the person saying, but lucky for you, I don't know who I am or I'm trying to figure it out or I'm confused or what tips. First of all, follow any inspiration you have, wherever you feel inspired, right? It's, it's starting to recognize, maybe even before that, it's just starting to, per, to, to, to create perspective. Start to separate you, the true you versus what's showing up every day. There's an aspect of yourself that you're, you know is not uh, serving you well. You know you want to change. Just start to view it. Start to recognize it. Don't blame yourself. Don't shame yourself. Don't, 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 try to, don't even try to change it necessarily. You may not even be there, but just start to recognize, hmm, I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't seem to be good. Hmm, why am I doing this thing? So it's like, it's like starting to get curious about your reality. Why don't I know what I want to do with my life? Hmm, mm -hmm. that's interesting. I've lived on this life for 40 something years and I still don't know what I do, want to do. Why? Hmm, hmm, perhaps I've been conditioned my whole life and I haven't given, even given myself the time to, to recognize, right? Perhaps I need just, I need more time. Perhaps I need to carve out some, some time for self-reflection. Perhaps I need some time to, to get quiet. But it's sort, of, it's sort of following these lines of inquiry and getting curious, non-judgmental, gaining perspective of your reality, of your thoughts, of your beliefs, of your feelings. Hmm, why do I believe this? Where did that come from? That's interesting, right? And so it's, it's kind of getting curious, asking questions, and then also following these, these little threads of inspiration. Boy, I really loved playing the guitar. I've never played the guitar and I picked it up and I, I'm horrible, but God, I really love that. Why? Hmm, that, now, now we can look at it from a logical perspective and say, oh, I'm 42. I can't possibly pick up a guitar and, and create a new reality for myself. I can't create a new career. That's not going to lead anywhere. Or I can just start following that, right? And that's really what I did sort of, uh, again, intuitively without even recognizing back in the day when I was just following my own health journey. I was just following it. 
Now, part of it was because I was in such pain that it became easy to follow. But, but eventually, I got out of the pain, and then I had a choice point. Do I continue to follow this path, or do I sit here and do engineering? Right? Like That was a choice point that I made, and I followed this sort of, uh, let's say, the hero's journey in that, in that regard. But it's following these little, these little threads of inspiration. Wherever you find joy, wherever you find this, this thing that's lighting you up, right? maybe you don't know what that is. That means you need to either, you can do two, there's two things you can do. Get quiet, sit still, and, 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 and start to inquire within yourself, right? Like really have that sort of self-discovery process in silence, in meditation, perhaps even walking, but, but just getting uh, some of that self-perspective or do more shit. Get out there and be in the world, right? In other words, yeah. get out of your rut, get out of your same thing. Go on a retreat, do a darkness retreat, do a uh, you know silent retreat, you know a, a Vipassana retreat. Go do a yoga retreat. Go do anything. Just go do something out of your ordinary reality. So Great it's, advice. It's, it's, it's recognizing mm-hmm. that, that we're stuck in these patterns. And when you're trying to change your reality from the same pattern, it just doesn't work. you got to break that. It might mean selling your house in Seattle, quitting your job, and driving your car down to California to start a new career, even though you have no idea what you're doing, right? And then losing all the money that you've ever saved and earned, and then going into debt. And not knowing how to, that, that may be the answer. It was for me, right? So it doesn't necessarily even need to look pretty, um, but, but it's starting to follow those threads and having that trust um, uh, that, that things are going to work out. But, but if you're doing that from a place of love and curiosity and following that, that, little, that little tiny light inside that says, go that way, you know, doesn't look pretty. You don't know where it's going to go. It doesn't make any sense, but but if you have that feeling or you have that intuition, you have that calling, then pursue it and see where it leads. Right? That's where that's where really things line up. And, and for me, it was actually funny in my in my the the big transition for me was actually starting a podcast. I started a podcast, and I think it was two thousand. Gosh, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen, maybe. Uh, I only recorded like forty-five episodes or something. But it was like the third guest that I interviewed that then created this sort of new window of possibility. It was only because I entered, so it was because I started the podcast, which was a quote unquote failure. In other words, it didn't make me money and I didn't really love it long-term, but I started it and I met somebody and that changed the direction that I was taking my business. There you go. It served right? its purpose. Yep. Exactly. So you don't know where these things go. And I was afraid to start a podcast because what I wasn't afraid to talk. I love talking and being on camera. It was what I was afraid of was like all the work that I was going to basically load my plate up with mm-hmm. producing and editing and promoting and doing all the, all the stuff, you know how it is. Um, and I was afraid of that, you know, but yet I felt the calling. I was like, I need to do this. And, and it's not, I didn't, I, I felt that calling, not because the podcast was going to be this huge success that I was going to love for eternity. It was so I could meet a few people along the way that were going to change the, the sort of trajectory of my business. Who would have thunk it? Yep, exactly. And who would have thunk that Jason Prawl comes on the show and teaches us about femininity and how to <laughs> awaken Aphrodite? Because what I'm hearing you say, the theme of this episode, Jason, is you are sharing with us as a flesh and blood, very masculine man, how you accessed and lived your feminine essence to mm. unlock your dharma, create your life's mission, obviously lead to self-fulfillment and satisfaction and, uh, and uh, confidence in your journey. It was massive. It was yeah. massive. Like yeah, that, that, I mean, this that is a beautiful was, lesson for us. Thank you. And, and it's interesting because I was raised mostly by a single mother, right? But oh, wow. For most of us who are raised by a single mother, 
generally speaking, well, look, most of us don't have full integration of our masculine and feminine. Let me just say that sure. most of us, no matter who we are, oh, yeah. but yet a, a single uh-huh. mother raising two boys really hard for her to tap into feminine. She's got to provide, she's got to play mother and father. She, she, you know, it's really difficult for, for somebody like that. And and she had me when she was super young. So this is, you know, in the eighties, young mother, like there's almost no shot at her, like really like just melting into her femininity and showing me what feminine, what feminine power looks like, right? Like, in other words, I had virtually no good models for me to, to show me what feminine power is. And I would say, it's starting to change, but in most of what I see in the Western world, we don't see it a lot. 100%. We, we all have it. And, and I do see it changing. But for me, that was the key to unlocking my power was starting to awaken the feminine nature within me. And, and it's still, I have a long way to go with that regard. Um, but it was, it was so tucked away. It was so protected. It was so hidden. It was so guarded, so protected by the masculine that it couldn't express. And so with that, I mean, imagine, I mean, if you really understand the power of the feminine, that is a major, major piece of my vital force that was that was diminished. All of ours, right? yes. And then without the without the with the feminine on board, the masculine becomes distorted. It can't be in its full power. So now I'm I'm this representation of sort of this cartoon masculine, this distorted masculine that shows up in good ways and shows up in distorted ways, right? And people call it toxic. Masculine cannot be toxic. Feminine cannot be toxic, but it can be distorted. It can be very distorted and it can start to cause problems um, because of the distortion. So it caused problems within me. It caused, look, even in our own systems, right? Uh, And I actually, ayahuasca helped me realize this, but even in our own sort of physiology, it starts to express. If I have a hyper-masculine person, my physiology is actually going to express in that same way. And that is a problem. If you have the immune system that is too hyper-masculine, that's not good. We need it to be feminine as well. So this can express in our physiology, in our, in our, in our cellular biology, right? So this is, this was massive. So it changes your internal dynamics. It changes your emotionality. It changes your power. It changes again, the perception that you have on reality, how you move forward in the world. I mean, I arguably, this is the biggest piece for most of us is this integration and this cultivation of a more divine, more aligned masculine and more aligned and divine feminine. And when we do that, this is the cultivation of, of, of the one, like this is, it's so massive what we can do. And so for me, I'm as much as I can, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this process of dropping into that feminine, totally letting go. And the more I can do that, um, then the more divine masculine shows up, uh, the more reality starts to just work for me, right? Like the beautiful thing about the feminine that I'm like finally realizing is that it's like this complete letting go at, at a very core level. And that is the power that you have. And when you can do that, like it's it's unbelievable. Like the, this sort of the magic that shows up, the Shakti energy, like it's just, it's wild what can happen when you can allow this feminine nature to really come alive within you. Well, you just basically described the objective of my show I love it. <laughs> because that's what I felt not only in me personally at the point in my life a few years ago that I needed to do, but I, I saw it collectively and the women around me and the culture totally. around me, as you, as you so eloquently articulated that, you know, this is, this is an issue and this is obviously we are experiencing the imbalance right now in, uh, you know, collectively at large, um, but let me ask you then, the letting go, this is, I'd like to know your take on this because we're hearing about this a lot, the surrender concept, all yeah. that, the feminine, it's all beautiful. 
But Jason, how would you differentiate between letting go and surrendering and giving up and this mm. passive like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, whatever, because I'm going to let go and let great spirit direct me and just kind of hands off or, or even worse, get depressed and feel disempowered because, okay, well, my way didn't work. So I give up. I'm going to give, you know, great spirit the reins. And then you just kind of pull way back and do kind of nothing. And you feel bad because you feel like, you know, you, you don't have any uh, agency. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, giving up is more of an active process and it's kind of a doing process. In other words, you, you have to, you have to do giving up, right? Ah. That's, that's an active thing that you you're doing when it comes to true uh, letting go or true surrender. This is more of a passive process, right? If I'm holding this microphone and I let go, it's not like I, I do letting go. I, I literally just drop. It just happens. So it's, it's for me, it's may, this may sound like semantics, but there's a big difference for me in my system. I can recognize that it's, it's recognizing when I'm holding on something too tight or when I'm, when I'm trying to control. And then the, the process of surrender, the process of letting go isn't an active one. It's me recognizing that the grip is too tight, that I'm not surrendering. So it's just recognizing it. And then oftentimes it's providing the context, the environment, so that letting go happens. Mm. Right? And that's generally what, what it requires. And now sometimes we can do this in our internally by ourselves. In other words, if I have enough awareness, if I have cultivated enough of this practice within myself that I can recognize it and I, I understand what it means to let go, then it's not a doing. It's not a, okay, now I try to let go. The trying is the problem, right? Yep. It, it, it's the That's opposite true. of letting go, right? And so the, yep. it's, it's, oftentimes I find that people, when they, they're trying to let go, they're trying to surrender, they, they still view it as an activity. Oftentimes you see this in meditation too, that yeah. the, the act of meditation, the doing of meditation, the trying of meditation is Efforting. the thing that's preventing the deeper meditative experiences from happening. This is the beautiful thing about the feminine is that, is that it's, a, it's a deep recognition that, and oftentimes we have, it helps to have this mirrored to us. This is why an awakened mama is so, so powerful for a, for a child is that they mirror, they, they show what it's like to be in that state. And when my nervous system can mirror that, can understand it, then it's a recognition of, ah, it's literally just a letting go. It's a dropping. Um, it's, 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 the, it's the act of totally being limp in the process, so to speak. And in that process, there's a natural divine thing that happens. So as the letting go, as the surrender happens, then you start to realize the activity is natural. The doing just starts to happen, in other words, within you or around you. It's, it's not something that you have to try to do. And you can still take action from that place. That's okay too. That's great. That's the best place you want to take action from is this aligned, surrendered place. Uh, but it's also sometimes not even required. The, as you surrender, it's like things just, just start to go. It, it, it's, it's a recognition. Intelligence is an emergent property and it's just going to happen. And this is the piece that um, for me is uh, worth of uh, continual development is because the it, surrender isn't just a black or white thing. I'm either surrendered or I'm not. It's like, no, no, I surrendered. And then as you continue to practice surrendering, you realize there's a new level of surrender. Oh, it goes deeper. Interesting. And then as you recognize that, oh, it goes deeper. I can surrender more. 
Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Oh, I can surrender more. It's this infinite process of surrendering and letting go. And so it's, it's, we don't necessarily realize it until we start to practice it or it gets mirrored to us. And then our system, which is intelligent, our awareness can naturally find it right? It's like it continues to get deeper. And it's same thing with presence. Presence is something that people are trying to find. I'm going to be present. Okay, well, yes, you can be present. And then once you find a level of presence, you can often find a deeper level of presence, which to our conscious mind doesn't even make sense. But it's it's infinity all the way down. It just keeps going deeper and deeper into presence. And this is where the gifts come in, right? And so, um, yeah, for me, it's 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 a, it's sort of making the, the distinguish uh, or the determination that Am I holding? Is there an active process that is preventing me from totally, totally dropping? And, and it's hard because, again, our systems are conditioned to a certain level of reality. Yeah. So in other words, I can be conditioned to a certain level of letting go of surrender. And then it's going to take somebody who has a deeper level of surrender, perhaps. Generally, I, I can do it myself. You know, We can do it ourselves sometimes. But more often than not, it helps to have a being or many beings helping you recognize, hey, there's a deeper level. Guy, go check this out. And then my system can recognize and go find it too. And that's the beautiful part. And that's where we continue to drop deeper and deeper because we don't realize, we think that I'm, I think that I'm relaxed. And then as I do some things, my system, my nervous system, my parasympathetic tone gets better and better and better. And so it's it's literally a letting go. And again, it, you don't know what you don't know until you get to that new level. And so this is one of the reasons why it's so important to work with people, whether it's a direct coach or a teacher, or whether it's a sangha, you know, some kind of community. Um, but that's the process. And it, it's not a mental process. The mental process can sometimes help point our awareness to the thing, but it's not the thing, right? Yeah. If I say, look at the star, okay, you can look at the star, but that's still not the star, right? It's different than experiencing the thing. It's just pointing to it. So um, just important to recognize that the more you think about it and try to do it may not help you get there. Like there's only a certain amount of recognition that will help you get to that point. Then it becomes a, an art of practicing, of getting that mirrored uh, sort of instruction. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned about how, you know, basically you're saying how trying can screw it up. You yep. know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a paradox. It's like you can, you can actually try too hard. Most of us that, are. Yeah, exactly. I've been so guilty of that. I uh, still like, am like every day. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, you know, especially I think people who are overachievers or ambitious or have, you know, mission or dreams or really want to help, we can all be, you know, guilty of over trying, right? Or um, you know, it's almost like killing with kindness. Okay. Like enough already, you know, it's not a good idea. So, um, but this is just such a nuance what you're talking about it is. when it actually comes to embodying it and living it, particularly when we are emotionally attached to the outcome, we don't see it, uh, you know, uh, role modeled very often either and having no. successful outcomes, you know, we, we kind of know either on or off, like you're either, you know, killing it or you're just, you know, hands off. It's like, you don't right. really have, a, but I'm sorry, you were going to oh, say. No, I was just going to say, I'm, start, I'm starting a new business. And and so oh. um, one of the things I'm, I'm constantly, it's a, it's a local business that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of. And, and one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm constantly checking um, because my conditioning and most of our conditioning is so strong, the patterns start to emerge, right? These sort of, let's say, maladaptive patterns. I, I would say trying too hard is one of them, the perfectionist, right? The one that's always trying to push 
right? That's a, yeah. that's a masculine trait, pushing, constantly pushing on something. Now that's very beneficial sometimes. And sometimes you just need to let your foot off the gas, right? And so I'm constantly checking in this, the, the, all the development of all the new things that we're doing in this business. It's like, am I pushing on something that doesn't need to be pushed on? Am I trying to force something that doesn't go there, right? Like, um, it, so it's, it's, a, it's a constant check-in and, and oftentimes I'm off the mark. Um, right. I'm, I'm missing it. And I go, oh, okay, I got to self-correct here. You know, I got to constantly check. I'm getting emotionally attached to this thing. Let's pull back. That doesn't need to happen. I'm pushing too hard. Let it naturally flow. Right. Um, it, it's like the seasons, right? Like if, if you're, if you're a farmer and you're, and you're growing whatever crop, let's say you're growing pumpkins, you can't force the timing of that. Like if you're, if you're trying to grow pumpkins in the wrong environment, the wrong time of year, then you're just going to be creating more struggle for yourself, no matter how good and intentioned you are, no matter how much you know about pumpkins, you know, you have to go with the natural flow, right? And so there's something about timing. There's something about process. There's something about this sort of like patience that's required. So you're going at the speed of the thing that is happening, right? And so that's for me, the pacing and constantly checking in with what, whatever it is that I'm doing, what's the natural flow? Am I going too slow? Am I holding it up? Because that's problematic. Am I pushing too hard? That's problematic. Hmm. You know, and so it's this constant like check-in of, of how much do I need to do? How much do I need to let go? How much do I need to delegate? How much do I need to think things through? Or how much do I need to let them just develop on their own? Because often when I get out of the way, the solution starts to come up and it's like, oh, that's a good idea. When I never thought of that, right? Um, and so it's a it's a, it's an art for me anyway. Um, again, and, and this is to me, uh, it's funny how you just exude this sort of feminine thing, I guess, to this podcast, because I'm, I'm constantly dipping into this thing. This is, this is all feminine, right? Yes. The, the, feminine is art, right? And so um, it's feminine is feeling and feminine flow. is timing, flow. right? It's, it's, this is a, this is Rhythm, a very important flow, thing. Cycles. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so it's constantly checking in with this stuff, right? And so um, it's the cultivation of this stuff and, and, and we can get good at it. Right. And, and so again, the cool thing is, is that these archetypes, these masculine, feminine dynamics show up in everything that we're doing. So it's always an opportunity to practice getting good at at more feminine behaviors, more feminine thinking, more feminine, it's it's a paradox there, feminine thinking, but it's because thinking is often too much masculine, but but there's a way to do it um, that is more feminine, right? And so it's this constant checking in and, 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 and as we get good at sort of embodying, thinking, feeling, behaving in the feminine, then it starts to change our reality in every other way, right? Our emotionality starts to increase. Our ability to tune in and to feel and to become intuitive starts to increase because I'm sort of uh, embodying and practicing this sort of feminine nature. So that's what I love about this stuff is that, you know, I don't have to go read the, uh, what is it? The vagina monologues or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't have to get in touch with my femininity that way. Uh, although that may be one way, but it shows up everywhere. So I get to practice this with my three-year-old, right? I can be feminine around him and start to yeah. sh- bring that in and then also stand my masculine father energy when that's needed. Right. So it's, it's such a cool dynamic and I get, I love playing with these things as I become aware. And oftentimes I'm not aware because my conditioning is so deep because the cultural conditioning is so strong that I, I forget and I'm totally operating under conditioning. And that's the point where I can catch myself and check in and go, Hmm, that's interesting. Why did I slip into a pattern here? What is the pattern? What triggered the pattern? You know, like all these sort of questions can start to come online and that will point me to some of these solutions. 
It starts with the awareness. Well, I'll tell you, you're a lot further ahead than most men, that's for sure. And it's very refreshing to to ha to hear this perspective from a man who's living it. And uh, you're basically encapsulating the whole the whole objective of my show is to you know I like to say to people uh, you know that are predominantly living in their masculine, whether they identify as a woman or not, we all are because of this Western culture, um, or at least most of us are. You know, it's almost like you've got a car that, you know, has uh, four gears and you're only driving in one. You're not you're not being all you can be. You're not tapping into all these different levels of your potential, of your ability. And that's something that I've experienced myself in uh, living the majority of my life thus far prior to three years ago when I started the show uh, in my masculine. That's what the whole point was, was, all right, I got to tap into this whole other part of me that that was poo-pooed. I mean, it wasn't yeah. respected. It was, it was made fun of even like, yeah. Oh, you know, and we, I've said it before on the show, my audience knows, you know, in our culture, we, we call men, uh, women's genitalia body parts for, as a derogatory term. I mean, there you go. <laughs> I grew up in the sports world. This was a yeah, common yeah. thing. Right? Of course, like, and it still happens yeah. today, you know? Yeah. So yeah. what's that tell you about a cultural concept? But but this is just, I love this. This is wonderful. This is so um, uh, beautiful to, to, and, and, and inspiring and encouraging for me as a woman to hear a man like you. So this is, and this is what I always say too, you know, no one loves men more than me. I mean, I've said it before. I love men at least as much as I love chocolate and that's a lot. <laughs> so I, I'm all for it. Um, and I, and this is about harmony and we are designed to be together and to work together synergistically to create something larger than we could alone. And we're, we're meant to be complementary. So not only these energies within ourselves, but as we've been talking about, Jason, but with each other in relationship, you know, this, is, this isn't this is about competition or one's bad or, or the bad masculine. I like what you said about you don't believe in toxic masculinity. It's distorted. It's a very interesting way of thinking of it. And, you know, it, that's not what this is about. This is about loving and respecting the best in each other and bringing out the best in each other and supporting each other and, and doing this together to create something anew that's even better than we could have done alone. I love this because you're, you're, you're actually invoking one of the, my favorite uh, uh, prophecies, which is the condor and the eagle prophecy. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. I'm doing a <laughs> show on that. Yes, do you want to yes. talk about it? Yeah. I'll, I'll just give a brief history. So yeah, so yeah this is something um, that is, is often discussed in many of the, the indigenous cultures that run from North, North America to South America. And it's the idea that, um, at least the story that I heard um, from some of the elders that I've spoken with, that, that thousands of years ago, humanity was actually in harmony with, with each other and with the earth. And there was no disease. And we were actually all living from the heart. Now, again, whether this is an allegory or the, the truth in reality is, is actually irrelevant, okay? But because the story is important. So if, we, and they were living in harmony. And, and then at one point, there was a choice that was made and humanity split. And one path followed the, the path of the eagle, which is the mental, the masculine, the industrious, the scientific, right? Um, and then the other path followed the path of the condor, which is the path of the heart, the feminine, the feeling, the indigenous, right? And, and over these sort of these periods of 500 years, what they call baktuns, these, 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 these cycles um, that things would shift. At the end of the eighth cycle, the, uh, the, the eagle would become so dominant that it would almost wipe out the condor, right? In other words, 
the Western world, the scientific world, uh, the, the industrialized world would become so powerful um, that it would almost kill the condor. And there would be a choice point at the end of the, of the eighth cycle or the end of the ninth cycle that if humanity made the choice, the correct choices, that it would provide that the eagle and the condor would fly together and create and birth a new form of humanity that would merge the north, the south, the east, and the west, right? And, and from all the others that I've spoken with, they believe that that's happened, that we made the correct choice. And if you look oh, at just it's already the, happened, look at the evidence, right? We've wow. got yoga coming from uh, the Indian subcontinent to the, the North Americas, right? And, and even in the, in, the c- Central and South America, they're practicing yoga, right? The, the indigenous tribes that, that, are, that are sort of once removed from the jungle are, are doing these things like yoga, right? And, and breath work, right? We've got Qigong that is now worldwide. We've got ayahuasca and, and uh, yeah, various medicine. other medicines, yeah. San Pedro, Wachuma, and some of these other things, even Iboga coming out of from Africa, they've migrated all around the world, right? And so we see this merger. In other words, this feminine indigenous medicine ways are now in, it's, it's infected the entire world in this beautiful way. And it's waking us up. And the, the masculine uh, dominant scientific reality is probably going to be really needed to, to, to heal and to resolve the problems that we see in some of these uh, poor and, and, and uh, indigenous communities that are struggling. So as we wake up and as we take all these gifts and they come together, we're going to create a new reality, right? And, and that, that prophecy is so important. Um, and by the way, one of the cool things about the condor, the reason it represents the heart is because it, out of all the birds, it flies the highest. There's no bird that flies higher than the condor. And so the indigenous recognize that if that bird flies the highest out of any bird, then it must have the lightest heart. Right. So the condor. And that's like the Egyptian uh, thing about when they weigh the soul against the weight of the feather right. to go to uh, the right. next life. Yep. Right. It's all so, about that. so this this story, this prophecy mm. uh, can be mapped onto humanity and it's beautiful. And I love that. And it can be mapped within. Right. And so it's this is the, the, the reason for me personally um, awakening the feminine within me is not because I need to somehow make up for or create this sort of ideological balance within myself or to show up in the world in some other way necessarily. Really, the reason for me awakening the feminine is is to create a more aligned masculine. It's to create a more balanced individual. It's to awaken gifts that would be dormant otherwise. In other words, I can't get to where I want to go in the waking up, growing up, cleaning up process until the feminine is awoken. So it is a requirement for me to awaken is to have that feminine on board to be fully integrated. And it's a process, right? So I want to honor that process too, but I just want to, I want to name that, that it's, that it's not like, I'm not trying to get in touch with my emotions. That's actually not the point. I'm not trying to be a certain way. I'm actually recognizing a deeper level of truth here that the feminine is a divine archetype. It is a divine template. It goes beyond man, woman, and sort of these human characteristics. It is deep this thing that is feminine. It is so deep, it is, it is interwoven throughout all of reality, right? Yeah. So we, there is a divine mother, there is a divine father, right? Like these are deep concepts. And so as I awaken that deep concept within me, there is a, a unity that happens. And that unity gives birth within me to something new. That's why I'm doing it. Does that make sense? I, 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 want, to, I want to really ground this idea that it's, it goes so far beyond just the human 
stuff that like this interpersonal cultural stuff, like it's important. It shows up there too. And that's beautiful. And I'm, 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 it's, it's important. It's needed, et cetera, et cetera. And the, again, the thing that I can focus on is me. And as I awaken myself, as I develop myself, as I become uh, more integrated as a being, this unity gives birth to something greater than I've ever known, right? Like that's the reality. Yeah. And that gets to be projected out into the world and, and has ripple effects. Well, what you're, doing, what you're doing is you are awakening the God ability in yourself, the divine creative ability to then create that thing that that's only right. you, Jason Prawl, having the, the unification, the integration of those two coming together is the sacred. That, that right. is the path to the divine. That's right. And that yeah. gives birth to other people to do the same, right? As the yeah. more we can do mm. this, and it's not, again, it's not a, it's not a, uh, no, I'm not there. Yes, I am there. It's a spectrum, right? It's a, yep. I'm moving constantly toward this. And as I do this more and more, this more and more integration, the deepening of this process, this cultivation, um, and the stabilization of this process then gets to emanate every day throughout the world um, as, I, as I walk through the world in my sort of householder type of way, right? I'm not this monk meditating by myself uh, on a mountain. Um, I'm, I'm walking through the world, right? And I can do that in a way that is aligned, that is integrated, that is awake. And, and that becomes the new reality that we can create, but it requires me doing the work, right? And, and again, the cool thing about for me was that if, if you were to tell me, let's say five or 10 years ago that I would need to do all this feminine work, I've been like, oh God, like that's ridiculous. No, you know, because because I had a distorted view of what it took and what it was and what was happening and, and why the it was value needed. of it. Exactly. And as I explored some of these indigenous cultures and I realized what they were doing with some of the plant medicines, with some of the ways that they walked through the world, with some of their philosophies, with some of the, even the, the non sort of plant medicine indigenous, but more like the, the Ayurvedic. And I started to recognize the feminine way that they viewed the world, the feminine way that they operate in the world. I thought, my God, this is so much easier. <laughs> like, what have we been doing? We've been working yes. so hard. I don't need yep. to work this hard. And so for me, it was like this true gift of like, art and music and feeling and, and healthier relaxing with the cycles allowing. like not like, always the push point like it's just the whole thing oh my thing. god it was beautiful and i gotta tell you you know i'm sorry but i'm gonna put you in the spot you have to come back on the show because we didn't <laughs> even get into all that and i this would love is to great because this is i love and i'm so grateful and like we said in like we did in our little ritual in the beginning to center ourselves I just really like the shows to go where they're going to go, where great spirit, what message wants to get across. And needless to say, I didn't get to any of my notes because I, but I love where it went. It couldn't have gone in a more important yeah. direction. And who would have thought that you would have come on and schooled us about all this stuff. Boy, the, the, your depth just goes deeper and deeper. It's I will say it's a, it's, a, it's a credit to you because um, clearly what you've cultivated in this podcast, of, of course the name, but I, I didn't, I didn't really think about the name of your podcast, but you're clearly emanating this thing that wants to come through, which is to awaken this idea and this, this archetype. So I, I appreciate that. And it, it showed up in, in some of the stuff that, again, I wasn't planning on talking about. So right. um, this is the Great. beautiful aspect, right? And again, it, it kind of puts a, a, a nail in the coffin of what we've been talking about. It's like, as these energies start to uh, become alive, they start to take their own path and, they, an and what comes through is what's exactly what's needed. And so um, it's, it's really it. just allowing. It's amazing. It's just, here you go, everybody. Here's an example of it. So if you're looking for like a practical application and then, wow, yeah, I love it. This is, uh, 
I'm just kind of speechless that the, the direction this went, but so eternally grateful. So Jason's going to come back, everybody. Make sure you subscribe so you hear everything he's going to share with us in that episode. But just any final thoughts to kind of land this plane to feel complete with what we've discussed today? Mm. For me, one of the big lessons um, that I that came through in this process for me was, was this idea of process, right? This, that it is, that the process is divine, right? And so, um, you can think about it like, like the, 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 the birth of a, of a human being, right? And, and what it takes, right? We can't rush that, right? It, it, it takes essentially nine months, right? Before birth happens. And that's a process, right? And so there's a, there's a, some amount of patience. There's a, some amount of just witnessing, um, the process as it unfolds, allowing the process paying attention to those things. And so um, if we can recognize the, the divinity that is process itself, so you might be struggling with a health condition, there may be, not necessarily, but there may be a process that needs to play out for yep. you to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Now, we, I also want to recognize instantaneous healings and all that stuff. That's a, that's a reality too, which itself may be a process that is important for you to awaken to. But, so, but more often than not, it is a process that requires time, a journey, right? This sort of, uh, of evolution. So just wanted to maybe put a, a, a stamp on that, that, that honor process as a divine idea, as a divine archetype. And so um, it can be, it can be very helpful um, in, because otherwise you're going to miss the thing that you're supposed to pay attention to. The thing that you're, that you really need to get is this sort of process as it's unfolding. The process, yeah. So, are you are you getting at kind of like chop wood, carry water? Like that still means you're supposed to drink water and get to bed on time and move your body, but at the same time, be aware. Like we said earlier, there might be something underlying that is pacing you and not letting you, like me, not letting me find my dream home yet because I'm not quite. I need to go through some stuff. Is that it's what you're almost saying? like yeah, that, and it's almost like maybe even more fundamental, like the process is the thing, right? It's, oh, I mean, enjoy the, the, the journey. Expression. It's kind of a classic thing, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's about the journey, okay. not the reward or whatever, or the journey is the reward, but, yeah. but it's, it's, it's that sort of, let's say Instagram type of, of, of wisdom, but deeper, right? Yeah. That, like there, yeah. there is something so divine about the process, even the process of your life itself, right? Um, this idea of starting off as this helpless infant into some sort of autonomous toddler, teenage kid, and then into adulthood. And now you got to find your way. Now you got to go into adventure, right? Sort of this hero's journey thing. The hero's journey is the gift. Like that's the cool thing, yeah. right? It's not about at any point in the journey, a lot of people, you yeah. know, kind of getting to some of my core philosophies around longevity, we're trying to maintain this idea that we can stay in our thirties or forties or whatever. And what's his name? Brian, Brian Johnson, the new guy that's uh, the, the Venmo uh, creator. That's he's tracking yeah. all of his stuff and he's trying to oh. like document. I mean, it's, it's really wild. Um, okay. I mean, kudos to him. He can do what he wants to do, but, but I find that there's a lot of distortion in this idea of longevity and health and well being, And sometimes there's, the gift is the fact that you are getting older. The fact that the gift is that you're recognizing, oh, I can't move like True. I used to, right? And so that, if you pay attention to that, then you start to realize the gifts within the process itself, instead of trying to fight the process, right? So wow. we can resist yes. the process and that becomes <laughs> yes. the problem, or we can be totally yeah. 
unaware of a process that's happening. And then we're not recognizing the, the beauty and the gifts that are within the process. So, so that's kind of what I'm pointing to is that sometimes there's a hidden gem that's inside the process itself. And so if you pay attention to this fact that there is a process that it itself is divine, that there's gifts within it, then you can start to enjoy the process instead of looking at it as some annoying thing that you're having. You're to waiting till it's over it. Everything you just said, this is like one of my favorite shows ever. Okay, that's what I just have to say. This is so tremendous. I know we're closing it up, but what you're saying is so key because it's even like as we get older, you know, the whole thing, life goes faster and you look back and where did my life go? And your life goes by like a second and you start you start talking like a quote unquote old person saying, hey kid, enjoy your life because, you know, it goes by so fast. And it does. And it's like, what I hear you say is like, we you know, that, have you ever heard of the term death, destination addiction? You know, you're, you're always- No, kinda, no, but I like that. Right? You're all, uh, Robert Holden. You're always, Success Intelligence, great book. You're, you're always kind of like the next thing and you're kind of like, are, are we projecting? Well, when I get my house, I'll be happier. When I lose the weight or when I get the girlfriend or whatever it is, right? And then you get to the end of your life. It's like, it's like a war. It's a whoosh. It's a whiz. So that's I why like I don't like goals. I don't like goals for that same reason. Right. I like orienting. So I, when I'm coaching okay. with people, working with people, it's like, there's this idea of goal setting. Right. And, and yep. on one level, I understand the idea of that yep. right? or, or even manifestation. Right. Um, and, and that's fine. But, but for me, it's more like, how, what am I orienting to? Because that's the direction. And then you're open to your intuition redirecting you, excuse me, but that's what I hear you say. You're not as fixed on the target. You There's can... no end. If okay. I orient, then it's not an end process. Yeah. I'm just, I'm focusing on where I'm going. It's not, I'm, I'm focusing on where I'm going to get to, right? So um, yeah. I, okay. I can tell you how this, I can tell you how this all ends. You die, right? Like <laughs> I, I know that's what happens, right? And so, so yeah. if I can recognize that the process is I'm born, it, with virtually no conscious awareness, um, and I die, and I transition, then I kind of the game's what's over. What's in the middle? Like, I, I yeah, just, like what's in yeah, the middle? <laughs> exactly. That's the point, right? So, like the, the yeah. point is the process that's that's unfolding in, in wow. front of you, and so yeah. it's not about where the next thing that you're going to do, the goal that you're going to. Now we can set objectives and we can have targets, and that's fine. Um, but it's really, to me, a more um, it's more beneficial to to orient. In other words, I want to orient to wow. this, right? And so if I if I set my orientation, then I'm never let down when I don't uh, meet a goal or objective. I'm never, uh, you know, momentarily sort of on a high. I'm constantly just orienting. It's more of a Buddhist type of way of looking at sort of manifestation. Feminine or, goal or setting, Jason. It's <laughs> right, feminine exactly. goal setting exactly. is what I'm here. You yeah. can turn. You can quote me on that if you'd like. <laughs> Yeah, but it's because, also important to recognize if you don't understand what you're fundamentally orienting to, yep. and the goals may or may not matter. So for me, just as an, an example, maybe to make this more concrete, um, one of the things that I've struggled with a lot in my life is um, I've made things too hard. And there's a yeah. certain part of my conditioning that is almost addicted to the hardness, to the struggle, mm -hmm. right? Even when I do the, the, the awakening and the cleanup work and all this stuff, there's, there's a part of me that if I tune into it, I can recognize that wants the struggle because there's a, there's a, there's a reality, there's a belief, there's, and it's a, there's, a, there's some truth to it, that if I get into the struggle and I solve that, then that's, that's moving me forward. Plus is a feeling that you earn it. Because right. there's that Puritan mindset, of, and yes, the whole you know religious programming, you got to earn it and suffer. To, and there's to some truth to that, and it. there's a there's a higher truth or a deeper truth, right? And so, so for me, it's it's again, it's it's like my my orientation now is how do I 
create ease in my life. Now, this doesn't mean doing nothing because that's that's actually going to create more struggle, right? If I yeah. if I just totally relax and I don't take on any new challenges and I don't push myself and try, then that's actually going to create more struggle. But if I start to chase these certain things, whether it's money or whether it's, uh, again, any kind of goal or objective or some kind of um, you know, vanity marker on social media or something, whatever the thing is, and it's not aligned with this thing that I'm oriented to, which is creating ease, then it's, I, don't, I don't do it, or at least I try not to. So I'm orienting toward ease in my life because I've struggled so much. And so if I can orient to ease, that may look like um, you know, uh, creating a job or finding a job or, or creating a business that's bringing me $20 million a year, or it may look like a job that's, that's, that's bringing in $80,000 a year. The, the thing is not, the mat, is not what I'm looking for. It's not the it's it's not the the thing on paper. It's the internal feeling of ease. And if I can create ease in my system and I'm walking through life with ease, with grace, right? With with comfort and safety, then that's what I want. Okay, but I've got I've got to stop you though. Excuse me, cuz that can still be hard though, Jason. Like how do we differentiate? You know what I mean? Cuz like you might be creating that only 80 million 80,000 a year job. But it's not always ease. Like you get, you know, like technical problem or whatever, or employee quits or, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you lost me a little. Like where's the ease come in in that? Put it this way. Many people are trying to earn a ton of money or save a lot of money or make a lot of money because they believe that that is going to provide them what they're actually looking for, yeah. right? Which is safety yeah. or which, it, right? And, and many people make a shitload of money and then they don't feel safe inside. Yeah. So they were oriented to the wrong thing. They were oriented to something they thought was going to provide them to what they were really looking for, which is an internal feeling of safety, of security, right? Or some people are looking for a relationship because they feel like that is going to be the thing that is going to provide them with connection or with acceptance. So they were orienting to the to the to the love the the, the matchmaking or the the love connection or whatever, but but it wasn't the right thing. If they were oriented to connection, that may show up in a variety of different ways that doesn't involve a romantic partner, right? So mm -hmm. my point is, is to recognize the deeper level of reality. And so for ease, for me, I'll, I'll, give, I'll just give, be totally honest with you. For me to create ease in my system, what I've recognized or what I've sort of, um, let's say, mapped out as best as I can is I have to make a certain amount of money per year, right? And it involves doing work that I enjoy. And that doesn't, that doesn't take a lot of my time. Sounds perfect to me. <laughs> right. But, 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 yeah. but, but, but recognize the lack of specifics. Right. I did, never mentioned if I'm going to help people. I never mentioned if it's okay. going to be a job that I believe yeah. in. Mm -hmm. But I don't need that because I've already ingrained that in my system. So in other words, that's, I'm already, already oriented to that. I don't need to worry about if I'm going to help people. That's already in my, it's already encoded. Okay. In other words, I've already worked through that. So I don't actually don't even need to worry about orienting to that because I'm already oriented. In other words, it's okay. so in, in grooved into my system. Same thing with, with the type of work. But, but again, I'll it's even get more, more grounded here. You are. I have certain work that I've been doing in order to help people, right? Integrative functional medicine, health uh, education, et cetera, et cetera, awakening practices, coaching, and, and that kind of thing. And I once believed that I needed to do that. Let's just call that my soul's mission, my soul's passion, right? My sort of soul journey that if I that I needed to do that, and that it was in it was 
inextricably linked to my income. In other words, I needed to do that and I needed to make money. So there was a belief that that's what had to happen. Now I've recognized through a little bit of awareness and coaching and other things that I've resolved in my system that, I'm, that I can do those things. And, I, and those things in my sort of soul's mission could basically earn me nothing, zero money a year. But I would still do them because I find it to be just, it, it gives me just total life, right? I have so much joy from it. But I can do this other thing over here, which is totally not related at all to health and wellness and awakening and what have you. It could be owning a, a, a handful of franchises that are, you know, discount tires, right? Like totally irrelevant to this thing. But it allows me the lifestyle to, to bring in the income that doesn't involve me doing a lot of work, but I've made the investment. And so now I'm, I'm, I've got this residual income coming in over here that's, that's paying for my lifestyle, that's providing me enough money to provide safety in my nervous system. And I'm doing all this other stuff over here, which is actually losing me money, but I'm doing it because I love it and it's lighting me up. You see what I mean? So, so if I'm oriented to well-being, then I can start to distinguish, oh, they actually don't, I don't need to be struggling with like all the stuff that I love, which is making movies and running retreats. And I may not have figured out how to make money doing that yet, but I can still do it because I have all this money coming in over here, right? Or I may be somebody who, who marries into money, a guy who marries a, a wife that has tons of money and she's supporting me and I get to do what I love or vice versa, right? So my point is, is that we can separate these things. And if I orient my reality to these things of following my passion, creating a life of ease, having enough money and finances to create stability and, and, uh, and safety in my system, but may or may not be some number, right? Because we have these ideas that aren't necessarily connected to our reality. So disconnect from these false beliefs and false connections and false ideas. Yeah. I'm not saying be broke and be safe. I'm saying make as much money as you ever need to, to find safety, but try not to put a number on it necessarily, unless you can get really clear on, okay, what does it feel like as I earn this money and what does it look like and et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's, it's really, again, orienting to what is most important to you. I look at somebody like Gary V and I like have a nervous breakdown, right? He's working his ass off. He, it seems like he doesn't take a break. He's constantly doing stuff, right? Uh, ben Greenfield too, in our, in our sort of health space. So I'm like, no, thanks, man. Like you do you, I have no, like, uh, I, I love it. You're doing great. I can throw and, in some more names, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> and, and, and no, thank you, right? Yeah. So, so for me, it's like, it's really orienting to what feels good to me. I want to orient to well-being. I want to orient towards ease. I want to orient to um, some of these things that I'm, that I'm, let's say, more likely than not, if I'm not focused on them, I can get off track. Helping people, I'll never get off track of that. That is like, it's, it's encoded now. It's there. Like I, I can't just, there's just no way. My, it's almost like my system won't allow me to. If I stop following that path, there will be such internal turmoil that it, it's like, I can't, right? So there's a, there's almost, it's like a self-correction, but, but this other stuff, I'm not, I haven't encoded in my system yet. So I still need to orient. I still need to encode. And That's as cool. I get better and better, mm. then it starts to develop. And then I can start operating almost as if it's habit. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. It's too much work. No, thanks. Like that sounds like an awesome project. Not for me because it's too much work. I don't want to do that, right? So this is different for everybody. So what is it for you? How do you orient to the thing that you really want to orient to? And for many people that, that they might, it might be a nine to five job that doesn't require, that, that provides them with so much stability, but may not provide them with this infinite growth potential. 
So they might be oriented to that. And that's beautiful, right? Like you figured out that if you work a nine to five job and you have a steady paycheck and you're supporting your family and you're doing your art and you, then like you're oriented correctly, right? So it's different for everybody. And in this digital age, I find there's so much sort of like internet envy that, that we can look at these other people and go, wow, look at this person. They're doing such amazing things. Paul checks one of these people. He's doing so much in the world, like amazing, amazing health teacher, coach, guide, spiritual master, guru, like student teacher, et cetera. And like, I don't want to live like that. That's Paul's life. And he's doing an amazing job at it. And it's not that he's doing it wrong. It's just, I don't want to orient to that, but I can look at him and go, he has a lot of qualities that I love. I can still cultivate those qualities within me and do something totally different, right? So in a different way. Exactly. So what do I want to orient to um, and, and start to orient to that instead of setting these sort of arbitrary goals that are not connected to the reality that I really want to create internally and externally. So what I hear you doing is what's checking you in that, Jason, and advice for all of us would be to, you're weighing it against how it's feeling inside, your experience, because we could all aspire to be like a Paul Czech or a, you know, a Christian Northrop or any of these, you know, who a lot of us think are mentors who are, you know, doing it and making a difference in the world and, you know, on all cylinders. But at the end of the day, if it's not creating your, your, uh, Let's see. You didn't call them goals. What did you call them? Some orientation. Orientation. Right. Excuse yeah. me. See, yeah. I I have to now start speaking this way. But if you if it's not if it's not in alignment with your orientation, then it's it's got to go. You know. So this is a good way to think of it. And I, and I see this a lot in the sort of let's say. Um, health warrior types, right? And I, yes. I don't want to name any names, but I have some mm. really good friends in this space and they're fighting the good fight. And in other words, they're on the front lines of this stuff. Mm. And then and simultaneously, I can they'll either express it overtly or I can feel it as I'm talking with them and, and being with them that they're struggling with it, that it's causing them a lot of turmoil in of their course. personal life and et cetera. And so this is the, this is the question for them to, to, to continuously look at do I want to stay on the front lines here or is there another way to fight this fight? Right. Yeah, and, and, and so, so it's not a matter of, are you going to be a warrior? It's like, what kind of warrior are you going to be? That's going to allow you to find the peace and the harmony yeah. within your life and still project into the world, what you can project in and a so, way that you don't become a martyr. Exactly. Exactly. And because again, you're choosing that fight. And so recognizing the, cho recognize the choice that you're making um, as you choose that fight. For me, I don't really use social media. Um, me it's not because I don't think social media is a fantastic business tool. It's a fantastic way to reach people. So it's, uh, I just, I don't enjoy it. And there's ways to do it where I don't have to be too involved, but I, I don't, uh, to be honest, I'm not even that interested in doing that. So, so uh, podcast is one of those things. I love podcasts. I love the idea, but for me, it's, it's, there's something about it that is creating more work. It's creating dissonance in my system as I yep. even just feel into it, what it's yep. like to create a podcast. And I love podcasts. I love the medium. And I know it could do a lot of good. And there's something in my system that says no. And I yep. don't know what that is. It's, it's like, your totally. awareness though, to that, that, that nuanced feeling inside yourself and your respect of that feeling and not pushing it anyway and shooting yourself into, but it would be really good for my business. And right. people need to hear what I'm saying. Like you're not, 
You're not intellectualizing your way into overriding that intuitive hit that you're That's getting, right. which is and, good. And it's, good I, I want to orient to ease. I want to orient yeah. to less work. And Back I want to orient your compass. To, that's yeah. right. And so for me, yeah. again, it's constantly focusing on that. And, and that's me choosing my focus. Yeah. Some people may not need to choose this idea of ease because they, yeah. they have more of this. To find our own words. And yeah. they can balance. Maybe they're more balanced than I am, you know? But for <laughs> me, I, I, I've just created so much struggle in my own life. And it's been a result of me right? Same. It's not anybody else. I think we all have, I, I think probably everybody listening is like me too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like don't we, so, we create so much. This is my remedy. This is my yeah. remedy is orienting toward ease. How ease. do I pick the jobs? How do I pick the, yeah. the people I want to work with? How do I choose the things that I want to do to create the ease? And if I, if I, if I instead forego ease instead of, and, and I choose this other thing over here, that's going to bring in five times as much money. I have to really think is the amount of work and effort and sort of short-term stuff that I'm bringing in, is that going to, and, and the money that I bring in after, is that going to sort of have a, a, a net greater effect on my, my total ease? And generally what I find is that the answer is no, because what I'll do is I'll get caught in this loop of doing the harder thing that's going to give me more of whatever thing. And then I go on to the next decision. I choose the hard thing again, that's going to bring, bring me more money or clients or, or connections or whatever. And then I keep jumping from harder thing to harder thing. And, I, and then I'm living the life of the hard. And sure, yeah. I'm making money and I'm making connections and whatever, but, but I've lost my way just by making one choice because it continues to snowball, right? So it's like, I'm constantly checking. No, I don't, that's, that's, I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel well, right. It, the the origin had that energy. You set on the journey with that first step of that type of energy. So it just snowballed from there. That's right. Jason, I could keep you all day. This is amazing. <laughs> I, love, I think chatting. we said, I think we said we were closing the show about a half an hour ago. Hopefully we still got people with us. Um, I'm going to have to mention this in the intro that hang in there when we say we're closing up that uh, <laughs> false, I obviously could keep you, I could keep you here literally all day. Um, thank you for agreeing to come back. Thank goodness you said yes. And I already can't wait to talk with you again. Um, but just for today, how can people find you? I know they're going to hang on to listen to your reappearance on the show. But just to close out today properly and do props, where can people find you if they can't wait for your next appearance on the show? Yeah, you can go to uh, awakenedhealthacademy.com. That's where I have a lot of the content that I've produced, whether it's docu-series or um, some online health summits and, and various other interviews that are that are, um, that are pretty valuable in that regard. Um, yeah. You can go to... Um, they can find my book beyond longevity, uh, Amazon, all the bookstores, um, that's available as well. Yeah, that's great. And we're going to get into that next time, everybody. I absolutely promise I will keep those questions in that because I want to know too. And it's just a, you sent me a little preview, uh, document and that's just, I love it. There's, I have a whole bunch of stuff I want to get into such important, valuable, practical, inspiring work. So beyond longevity, everybody, that'll be in the show notes. And uh, we already can't wait to have you back, Jason. Thank you so much for sharing all your love and wisdom today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Amy. I appreciate it. everything you're doing here is uh, is very needed. And again, uh, I just want to commend you on the energy that you bring because it clearly in influences the conversation. So uh, it's been amazing. Great. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. You don't want to miss part two with Jason Prawl. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. 
And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.